0: And welcome to episode 346 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we tried out a new game about new ideas uh, that we think we will call Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. Give the episode a listen and let us know what you think. In this episode, we have another very special guest in our Fresh Voices series. In Fresh Voices, we want to showcase different and compelling perspectives on legal tech and much more. We have another fabulous guest. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy
1: Mile Report, we are thrilled to continue our Fresh Voices on Legal Tech interview series with Nick Richwain, who is, among other things, The Vice President of Business Development and Relations at Experts.com, a strong social media voice on legal technology, and he's doing some interesting things in the blockchain and crypto field around real estate. We want our Fresh Voices series to not only introduce you to terrific leaders in the legal tech space, but also provide you with their perspective on the things you ought to be paying attention to in legal technology. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, we are so pleased to welcome Nick Richwain to our Fresh Voices series. Nick, welcome to the Kennedy Mall Report.
2: Hi, Tom. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: Before we get started, can you, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit more about you? Tell us about your role at experts.com. Uh, any other thing the audience ought to know about what you do?
2: Yeah, well, I, as uh, probably one of our later questions might cover, I do quite a few different things. But uh, my primary role is uh, Vice President at uh, vice president of Client Relations and Business Development at uh, Experts.com. And we are an online marketing platform uh, and search service for expert witnesses, essentially a Web2 uh, operation. We've uh, been under current management, current ownership since 2000. Uh, lawyers can search our site and contact experts directly, or uh, they can reach out to us and uh, we can do a search for them for a flat fee. Uh, we do not broker engagements. So that was essentially my uh, my entry into legal technology post-law school and, and post-working at uh, county government. It started uh, at experts.com as my entry into legal technology and sort of grew out from there by doing, much like you guys did, a podcast on legal technology. And and then time passes and you take on more projects and and things develop. That's cool. I I think that
0: the expert witness locator is, is such a, gr- a great idea. Um, not enough to get me to ever do litigation, mind you, but I think it's a great. I think it's a great idea. So, Nick, as you know from our conversations, sometimes I get a little frustrated with how difficult it still is to explain technologies, and that's both all the new technologies and its benefits to those in the legal profession. You are great at this, uh, especially with brand new technologies and using sh- social media. Will you talk about your own approach to communicating with lawyers and others in the legal profession about technology?
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's very kind of you to say that. There was no well developed plan here Dennis as as if you're familiar with my social media persona. Uh, it makes it abundantly clear. Uh, you know, I'm dyslexic and it helps me to learn by talking uh, about new technologies and discussingly le- discussing it openly with others. So it's hard for me to learn from reading things. So to discuss, make comments, ask questions and learn learn uh, how something works, that's that's how I do it. Learning by talking to others, learning by back and forth with Dennis or others on on uh, the service formerly known as Twitter, is that how we're referring to it? Is a little like Prince now, um, the artist formerly known as Prince. Um, so I have to actually jump in and test things out, see how the process works. I kind of have to understand minutia, and and then I'll just ask questions if I don't understand it, and and, and then as a result of those things, I think I find out ways to simplify in ways that where I can relate to what's happening in a more simple terminology. Uh, And then I share that. uh, And it probably isn't the most technical or high-end expression, but I think that's where I learned to to be able to communicate a little better. So it was by need and by necessity.
1: I think it's fascinating to hear that because in some of our other uh, Fresh Voices podcasts, we've had the people there. We kind of tend to want to know answers to some of the same questions because we get different answers. And it's fascinating to me that. What works for you is the verbal, whereas what works for others is the visual, that they like to draw things out and, and display things. So, you know, I think that that lends itself to, uh, to to lawyers and others who have different learning and appreciation styles the same way. So I think it's fascinating that there are so many different ways that people are communicating with lawyers about technology. Speaking about communicating l- with lawyers about technology, um, we talk a lot about competence. Uh, there's a lot of talk on the FKA Twitter. Um, but, but we, we see all the time in the blogs and in the news about discussing about the, the, the duty of technology competence. We talk a lot about it on this podcast. Um, so we always like to get a sense of where our guests are on it. So kind of what are you seeing out there? Um, do you have great hope for the future of technology competence? Do you feel that lawyers are stepping up to the plate on this duty thing? Or do we still have a long way to go? Or are we somewhere in the middle?
2: My experiences tell me we still have a long way to go. I've been with experts.com for 13 years. We have an open directory. Uh, Lawyers can search to locate and communicate directly with with our experts. Straightforward Boolean search, right, which we should all be comfortable with at this point. Uh, And we'll still get inquiries. Now, some of this is a lack of resourcefulness on the part of some lawyers, like they just didn't even look at the site before reaching out. But then having to show them how it works has always always made me uncomfortable. As to my God, how are we still having this conversation? So I think we have a long way to go. My my personal experience has said that plaintiffs' uh, counsel are generally uh, the more innovative, the more tech competent, because they are looking for. Any ways that they can be more efficient, uh, more economical—that's part of the game. So, yeah, I don't think CLEs are uh, about technology uh, and, and getting credits by listening to something is solving the problem. I, I think we have a way to go uh, for for tech competence and lawyers, and you know, it's not all their fault. I don't like continuously putting burdens on lawyers because I think there's a lot of that. We have a justice system that is uh, drastically behind. And sadly, COVID uh, was the, caused the, uh, if I steal from, from history, the great leap forward for the legal industry. So it took a pandemic to actually force some changes. So yeah, I think we have a way to go on tech competence.
0: You know, speaking of the great leap forward that didn't happen
2: uh, yet,
0: uh, you are known, at least to me, for being heavily involved in the blockchain world in the world of DAOs, D-A-O-S, that's Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. So most of what I see lately in the legal world seems to be just this big collective sigh of relief that the whole blockchain Web3 thing is thankfully over, and the vast majority of lawyers are happy they never spent any time trying to learn it i sometimes feel that you and i might be among the very few blockchain believers left out there would you talk a bit about that and why we still might be right about uh, blockchain and web 3
2: yeah that's funny i've been around long enough now to know that uh that there's hype cycles right and it's funny that it's over. That's usually based on media hype around something, uh, and it's mostly only over because the number went down. Uh, the you know uh, the market went through a market cycle, and funds uh, liquidity and funds became uh, le- uh, you know less available, and then AI uh, in the form of chat GPT, predominantly became the new hot topic for, for media to cover. So I don't think it's over. I don't think it's dead, but it makes me laugh that that has become a thing. And for those lawyers out there who didn't spend any time on it, I can assure you those who did, who are now bringing huge lawsuits against those who had either stolen money or who had, uh, or or plaintiffs who had lost money, or protocols who may have uh, mismanaged things. there's uh, there's lot of practiced practice here. I was just talking to an expert witness in uh, uh, over a seventeen million dollar uh, endowment essentially that was that was stolen. There were reasons for lawyers to pay attention, uh, and it was less to do with uh, with having to know how this is in this software is engineered. But knowing how it works, so that you could uh, you could chase the business in that area. So uh, I guess that is uh, we're not alone. There's quite a few of us who are still interested. Just like the internet wasn't over when Pets.com uh, failed, blockchain has not failed. Uh, in fact, those that uh, have uh, are still around have not been sent what you would call centralized players. Those who did fail. Were centralized and FTX was uh, a centralized uh, player, and and Terra uh, and Celsius these were centralized exchanges and and those those were those failed not uh, not places in, in DeFi. So we need the cycles, and I think uh, a lot of people building in this space are really happy that AI is 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 sucking up some of the. Uh, some of the attention, uh, although that also sucks up uh, investment dollars. So that can be problematic, but uh, you know, it is still valuable. Uh, It's still, if we have to tell it to, uh, I think probably the biggest disservice we did to lawyers was, was describing it as blockchain instead of software. It is still just software, right? It's just a different type of software. So get comfortable with it as, as software. And it's not software as a service, but you know, Quit telling them that it's blockchain and let them understand that this is just another form of software technology.
1: So now I have two questions. I have one, the one that I was going to ask, but I have a follow-up question to this because okay. I agree with what you just said, although I'd probably put a slightly sharper point on it to say that the attention on it died, one, because AI took all the oxygen out of the room on that, but two, to me, and what I'm seeing is, is that it's more of a, it's it, when you describe companies lost liquidity, I would say they failed, they uh, are being criminally charged. And I would say that when it comes to crypto, maybe not blockchain, but when it comes to crypto, there is what I'm sensing sort of a general sense of distrust of the whole thing. Like we, we allowed it to go unregulated or they were able to do this type of stuff and here's what's happening and people are losing lots of money. I mean, what is it? But, but, I also see that those are they are related, but also different things. And you know, using and taking advantage and working with the blockchain can be very different and not even associated with crypto if you want it to be. How do we get past that? If to the extent that I'm right and that there is an essence of distrust, how do we get past that? What's the what's the where do we get back to a place where people are comfortable whenever hype is ready to come back?
2: Yeah, great question. I don't think people understood it well enough to understand that those who were failing were similar to banks failing. So I don't think that was described as those who were, the distrust comes from what were considered banks. For all intents and purposes, for overall concept, these were closed, uh, opaque institutions. If you were Participating in decentralized finance instead of a centralized banking sort of organization, oversimplification there. That worked just fine because it was smart contracts interacting with smart contracts. Those who we didn't know what was going on behind closed doors, yeah, you should have distrusted them, just like uh, Silicon Valley Bank. We didn't know what was going going on behind closed doors, and that also failed, followed by two other pretty large banks. So uh, the distrust is in those kind of closed, opaque uh, institutions. You had uh, another comment there, and, and that, yes, those frauds, the, those massive frauds that took place, that did suck out of a lot of liquidity because of the distrust. But I think it's important to focus where that distrust uh, should be pointed.
1: Got it. Okay. All right. I'm taking a hard right. Let's talk about collaboration. You know, if you've listened to the podcast that we talk a lot about collaboration, we may have written a book about the subject. Um, So we always like to talk to our guests to find out what they're using or what they find to be useful, whether it is with the people you work with at experts.com, whether it's your clients at experts.com or anybody else, what are the tools and what are the best ways you find uh, to collaborate?
2: Yeah, so interesting. So, uh, as Dennis, I think, is aware, we have this Cougar DAO, uh, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which is actually an LLC because Wyoming has essentially been the only one to define a DAO as roughly this, uh, the same as an LLC. And we wanted to do something legally compliant, which a lot of crypto uh, or blockchain related organizations failed. In that uh, in the CougarDAO space, we we use Discord and, and Telegram a lot. Telegram uh, is excellent. That's that's where all the members, managing members of of the firm, are 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 most active. Discord, for those who are unaware, is sort of a more gamer related, but it's still a version of Slack, a very similar version of Slack, but it was targeted more towards gamers. The crypto uh, industry sort of liked it as as an interactive tool, Slack-style tool. It is awful in many of the same ways. Uh, it's it's great in many ways the same ways Slack is. It's awful in many of the same ways that Slack is <laughs> uh, as far as distracting. For experts, uh, honestly, we're a small enough organization that – our interactive, we don't don't use Slack, uh, and, and I'm grateful for that. We use we actually use Skype for our uh, instant messaging and internal messaging uh, stuff, and it works great for us because we're small enough to do for your one on one conversations, for your get togethers, video uh, conferencing, and we have then the company the whole company messaging through Skype, but that doesn't because everybody's there, it doesn't get abused the way that Slack messages can can line up, right? It's this one channel, full company channel, so it should be full company related. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I've just found through uh, Discord and Slack usage that just because you can text message people all day doesn't mean you should yeah so those are three that i think are in telegram similar to skype in this in in this way that it's that one channel and you don't abuse it because uh, it's that one channel when you can create 40 new channels it 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 becomes a nightmare to follow what's happening (laughs)
1: Dennis and I have discussed setting up our own discord and we have I think not done it for some of the same reasons that you're uh, that you're mentioning, although, it's probably going to come at some point in time.
0: Tom, I was going to say this reminds me of when we used to be on Slack. We don't do it as much on Teams. but We would be having multiple chats between ourselves in different channels at the same time. It's we, totally bizarre. We still do that. We still have <laughs> – not, not, not as
1: much. We have a random <laughs> channel and we have a channel for the podcast and we have a channel for the book. And uh, I frequently get messages from you in all three of those channels. So,
2: it Actually, you know, Twitter or X is – I guess we, you know, shoot uh, Dennis and I have uh, messaged. I I work with a lot of my colleagues through through Twitter DMs or otherwise uh, for for my. Colleagues outside of Experts.com or outside of of CougarDAO, so a lot of that uh, does happen in, in uh, Twitter DMs or just in Twitter chats and Twitter threads. I, I, interesting. I don't normally think of that as a collaboration tool, but I think it. I think it has been.
1: Sure, 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 sure. All right, we got a lot more questions for Nick, but we first need to take a break for a quick message from our
2: sponsors. when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software?
0: And we are back with Nick Rishwain uh, at experts.com. Nick, you often talk with legal tech startup company founders. In fact, you did podcasts with them for, for a long time. What is happening right now in legal tech that actually excites you or seems to have the most potential? And how might these technologies or these startups or the startup founders even impact legal education as well as law practice?
2: So it's funny. What excites me now Dennis is is what excited me in like 2015 when I started the podcast. That was the first 2014 15 was like the first hype cycle for blockchain and AI, right? At least as I recall it, uh, when I was really starting to pay attention to it. And they were pretty early stage. I mean, in 2014, Ethereum didn't even exist. So they were relatively early stage, but it sounded fascinating enough as smart contracts came on online uh, and as, uh, you know, companies like Ross Intelligence and Case Text were were popping up uh, and working on some really fascinating stuff. Those were things that got me excited. And, I, you know, I'm a software software as a service kind of person I like I like that I think there are a lot of things that that we don't pay enough attention to that are on the cutting edge so uh, you know AI is the one that's that's sucking up all the air in the room right now and I think that's it is pretty impressive because we had this thing with chat GPT my experience when we got chat GPT available to kind of Everyone, you had something really tangible that people could finally see that had some sort. And I'm sorry, Tom, to bring up Chat (laughs) GPT. I know I listened to the podcast. No, no, no,
1: that's okay. You just brought it up once.
2: Uh, Yeah. That's good enough. (laughs) 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 Dennis brings (laughs) it up uh, hundreds of times. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it gave us really something very tangible that the masses could understand, right? Even myself, right? Even the GPTs before it. GPT-3 played with, okay, cool, interesting, I'll keep an eye on it. But then it started uh, to operate at a different level. And with, with all of its shortcomings, it was still pretty impressive. So I've been busy, uh, you know, my day job is experts.com. This is what I do, bread and butter. Uh, so I've been busy with, with uh Cougar DAO as a side project and experts during the day. So I'm not talking to as many legal tech startups as I used to, but I've seen some really cool brief case briefing technology uh, in the AI space that would be a uh, godsend to law students And I can't tell you that company because I don't think that they are actually technically out of beta yet, but it was fascinating where you could put in Roe v. Wade and you could get a one-page summary on all the pertinent parts and instantaneously, and you go, okay, all right, that would have been helpful. You know stop giving me a hundred pages to read at not you know uh, before the next class of of just it would have been helpful for a dyslexic guy like me for sure right so that's pretty fascinating another one uh, perjury.ai was a phenomenal name this one I, I met at a conference uh, recently and they call themselves perjury AI but what they're really going through they can go and look at. Depositions and and reports and memos and look for inconsistencies. All right and okay, that's really cool and and I think that's relevant to my expert witness customers. Like okay, you need you need to be aware of this. You may have to use this to make sure that you don't have inconsistencies. Uh, and you need to be aware that maybe uh, in the future somebody's going to be comparing reports that you've written. So I think that's that that'll be important. OpenAI, I think we've decided is not at its current juncture uh, uh, appropriate for law practices we've seen that fall apart pretty quickly if if you're not paying attention to it and you're just uh, assuming that it knows what it's uh, putting mm-hmm. out is is good and there's the the added concern there is there of are you putting in client information into the engine uh, and are you violating attorney client privilege by doing so so i think those are some really interesting uh, in the startup in the ai space that uh, that i'm looking forward to but probably for my own usage at experts uh, i'm i'm looking for giving the microsoft copilot give it to me in word give it to me in outlook and have it read all my emails and all my responses to emails <laughs> and be able to create, you know, the things that I – because there, you guys know there are – and we have templates for this because you get some questions over and over. Well, just write the response for me, right? And then let me double check it because I'm not past that yet with, with any of these. I still want to be the editor.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Although thirty dollars a month, gosh, I wish they would. I wish it would have been cheaper than that. But I'm still going to do it. Okay, I want to talk because you you mentioned it, and, and, and when you're talking about collaboration tools, and I know that you and Dennis frequently communicate with a lot with each other on the new X. I want to get your take on where that's headed. What are your plans? Are you going to stick it out there till the bitter end? Have you already looked at some of these other options? You know, where is this all headed?
2: Yeah, boy, I don't know. You know, I mean. Parts of me as a user get frustrated because what is going to be offered and what is offered seems to be constantly changing. And that just makes for a crappy user experience. So that, that's that been bothersome. But I still, and yes, I've tested, I think, all of the competitors. The competitors don't offer the same information that X offers. Does not have the same real-time news information, it does not have the same real-time tech information, and it, and most of them have not brought the Twitter or X users that I most engage with mm-hmm. uh, to their platforms. Uh, and we have lost in the legal tech space, we've lost some people, uh, which I think is, it, it frustrates me that they take these things so personally. Like, uh, uh, you know, if you really ask me, if we should have left anywhere, it was Facebook, Uh, you know, that (laughs) they were uh, problematic long before Twitter was problematic and uh, and in a much greater scale. But Twitter or X just still has the information I'm seeking uh, as a uh, legal tech person.
1: Well, and before Dennis says anything, I'm going to say my reason for being absent on X now is less to do with what X has become and more to do with the fact that they cut off all their APIs and I am so used to using <laughs> tweetbot that I can't use I can't use the Twitter app it's unusable to me just because of that but uh, nah. anyway that's a whole nother discussion I'm going to let Dennis go with his question
0: yeah. So, so, Nick, one of the things I like to talk about, and this is like a big area of interest of mine, what I call new legal careers. Um, and I like to say new legal is, is one word. And at Michigan State, I'm uh, at the Center for Law, Technology, Innovation. One of my uh, uh, projects is something I'm calling the New Legal Careers Platform, which is soft launch. And we'll do like a, a bigger launch here in the, in the fall. I think you're a pioneer in this field. And your career path is is actually quite interesting, and I think it'd be instructive for our listeners w- who want to consider different possibilities of what they might do with a law degree or uh, what they might do in a legal career. Can you kind of talk about your uh, your career history?
2: Yeah, it's weird. I'll give you that much. Is uh, I think you may have just referred to it as interesting and a pioneer. I'm not sure <laughs> if any of those apply. Who knows? So for a long time, I never really considered myself a uh, entrepreneur. Uh, it was I went to law school with the intent to practice, struggled with the bar exam, and then looked at a long list of family members who stopped practicing to go into some other form of business where it was more lucrative and less stressful than litigation. And so I, I eventually, uh, you know, gave up that battle. Uh, and for most of my life my dad did not have a, active law practice he was a lawyer is a lawyer but he didn't have a lot uh, active law practice most of my life but he was in other business and I got to see over and over in business situations where having that knowledge was was helpful and it made him a better business person than I thought others were right of course I'm biased it's my dad but I think somewhere along the line I picked up on that and and he had a wide array of businesses when we were as we were growing up uh uh predominantly real estate but he, he did a variety of other things that were real estate related, and truck washes, and, uh, and a, just a, a wide variety of things. And so I always saw that. It was always that, you know, there's something new, there's new project to work on. And and the same with Nabil Zumout, our CEO of at experts.com, who's been a partner of mine now for quite a few years. And He's got experts.com, and he was a former practicing attorney, bankruptcy attorney, and he's got – we do real estate, and he's got restaurants on the side. And so I've sort of been surrounded with this my whole life, that there's usually more than one thing happening, and so that is inherent in me. So – I guess at some point I started doing various things and that's stemming from the, the legal career, but also in my interests. But I've learned from, from people that I've spent a lot of time with that, uh, that, that, you know, that you, you do different things. And so, yeah, I'm involved in real estate with my family and, uh, and I'm involved in storage facilities and I'm involved with experts.com. I have noticed that I sell space a lot, Uh, apartments and and real estate and self-storage and probably the farm, Cougar Dow, or the farm we purchased is the first thing that wasn't space-related, but on experts.com, I'm selling ad space, digital real estate, right? So there's a kind of ongoing theme there. So recommendations or or what people should do is, honestly, I start saying yes to a lot of things, I do that. I know a lot of people are like, no, you should say no to most things. And I'm like, Okay, fine. But say yes at first, play it down, you know, take it down a roll a little bit and, or down, down the road a little bit and see. Uh, If it's something you might uh, you might like law school is helpful in understanding uh, some of the issues that regularly come up in business that I'm involved in. It's definitely a necessity for finding the right experts for a particular type of litigation. You know, there's uh, contracts, breach of contracts, IP issues uh, tort issues wide varieties of issues that constantly come up day to day. So I'm almost always in uh, 1 and 2L reminders of 1 and 2L, uh, because those are the most litigated issues. But yeah, I say someone asks you to do something or try something on a project, if it sounds interesting to you, say yes to it and try it. See if it interests you to keep doing it. Probably uh, the earlier you find out that the more financially, uh, you know, those projects that pay something, probably a a better, uh, better thing for you because you can take up a lot of time doing free stuff. And if it's totally for fun and you're enjoying it, then absolutely. But uh, I think those are are the things that uh, it's a very strange career, which Dennis make comments about how silly and strange it seems sometimes on Twitter, but it is. Uh, And it's been fun, right? And I think it's good for the mind.
1: All right. We're not quite done with Nick yet, but we need to take another quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back.
2: If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard.
1: Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate
2: on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S T A F I.cc and get $500 off
1: with code HAPPY24.
0: And now let's get back to the Kennedy
1: Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. Uh, and we're joined by our special guest, Nick Grishwain, VP at experts.com. Um, we got time for just a few more questions. And I want to start with a question we ask all of our Fresh Voices guests, which I'm calling your our best advice question, which is give us an example of some of the best advice either that you have given to someone or that you were given, or both. If you wanna if you wanted to, to, to mention both, if you got two good examples, that's great. But what is some of the best advice? advice you could mention to our audience?
2: So some of the best advice, uh, first is to ignore Dennis and any time that he wants to name something (laughs) legally related as Lex, such and such. (laughs) So ignore that mostly. Uh, And beyond that, be kind to other people. Be supportive of your colleagues. Uh, When people succeed, uh, you know, great. Help promote what they're doing if they're doing good stuff. Negativity is just an absolute disease. And there are plenty of people in legal tech who are innovation in name only, who claim to promote innovation or tech, uh, and then who follow up with anytime somebody's trying something, it's all, you know, st- taking away from it, or it's all down-talking or hating on whatever project it is, that's really easy. And it's really easy for those of us with legal backgrounds to be hypercritical. So try not to do that. Try not to be a jerk about those things. Don't attack people for trying something new. Encourage it. See where they might be right rather where they're where they're wrong. So and I think that all comes up with being kind uh, and being supportive, trying to eliminate that negative thinking.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. That's such great advice. And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes just gets overlooked these days. So my question, Tom is starting to give his question name. I'm starting to call this question the help us do our work question. So who are the <laughs> fresh voices in legal tech that you would like to single out and, and maybe see as Part of our Fresh Voices series.
2: Yeah, so I was telling somebody uh, today that I'm not even sure that I count as a fresh voice anymore, right? Like uh, it feels like uh, I've been around. So of course I want to hang out with you guys. So it was it was uh, great for you to have me on here. So I tried to think of those. This kind of goes back to how I did my podcast previously. Those who are 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 not yet getting any recognition for. For their efforts in this space, so Carolyn Ponzini, and I can I can email you guys these names as well. She is a lawyer and software developer who's working on a blockchain-related signature product, uh, and, and she's an up-and-comer. Justin McFaden from Painworth, also uh, you know he's a younger, uh, fresh voice, and Julie Saltman of Stand Stand.io. These are some fresh voices. These are people that I have not heard from enough yet. Uh, And I think uh, I think they're much fresher than I am. I'm uh, I'm ready for picking.
1: (laughs) 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 All right. Well, this has been great, Nick. uh, We want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Can you uh, tell our audience a little bit if they want to learn more about what you're doing or get in touch with you? What are the best ways to do that?
2: Yeah. Nick at experts.com. Uh, they can email me there. I've got a variety of Twitter accounts, one for experts.com, one for me personally uh, at experts.com VP uh, for anything expert related at Nick J. Rishwain for anything expert related and then anything else, or you just want to tell me jokes. I love that. <laughs> So yeah, those are probably the best ways uh, you can get me anywhere. We've got a thousand emails at experts. dot com. I'll see most of them, uh, email addresses that is. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm all around Instagram at Nick J Rish Wayne as well. Been playing with some content over there, having a little bit more fun over there with uh, uh, legal tech and expert related content. So.
0: Cool. You know, of course, I have to make the joke that you are just about the last person left on Clubhouse. So you're, uh, <laughs> people might be able to find you there. You
2: might be able to find me there once a week. <laughs> yeah. once a week for 30 minutes.
0: So, hey, but thanks so much, Nick. You're a fantastic guest. Great information advice for our listeners. And uh, I hope we uh, find a good way to keep in touch if Twitter totally implodes. Yeah. Uh, but now it's time for our party shots. At one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Nick, take it away.
2: Well, I got to plug experts.com. Like, you, can, you could use it while you're listening to this, right? So uh, So go give it a try. Contact us if you need help finding an expert.
1: That's a great tip, of course, and so mine is an update on my use of the ReadWise Reader. We've talked about it before. We like ReadWise as a a tool to save things to Notion or to surface notes that you've taken in the past. Then they issued their own Read It Later app, which is more than just a Read It Later app. It's also an RRS reader. It will incorporate Twitter feeds. It'll incorporate all sorts of things. I am slowly making more use of it. It is now my full-time Read It Later app. I've canceled my subscription to Instapaper and to Pocket um, because I can do everything in Reader. It has a smart, an automatic highlight feature that you can do on websites. You can go highlight something on a website and it gets saved back into the Reader. Um, They have a ghost reader function that uses... Guess what? AI to uh, you can ask questions. You're reading an article, and you say, "I want to learn more about this," or "What does this mean?" And it will chat with you during that during that time. It's a it, it's some great improvements. I am still not using it as my RSS reader because um, it still doesn't have a way to mark things as read. I want so it still says I have like forty thousand unread things in there because I have to go through them individually, and and that to me is a deal breaker. But if you are interested in a read it later app that is shows promise for the future of more things readwise is doing a great job. Dennis,
0: I um, mean you you had really sold me until that not marking thing red thing. I know right? that's so a that's just, a killer with the RSS but I think I got to look at it. So I went back to something I that I've done for a long time. So uh, probably for more than 30 years, I don't know if it's 40, but definitely 30 years, I've used David Allen's getting things done approach uh, to task management and kind of personal productivity. And I totally advise it, you know, recommend using it and advise using it. So I had kind of drifted into like my own version. And one of the key things that he talks about is is this notion of projects versus tasks. And so a project in simplest terms is something that that requires two or more tasks. And so if you have projects on your to-do list rather than tasks, you end up seeing things that don't get done uh, because they're actually projects and then David's approach is that you want to break things down into chunks into the next physical action. So if I have on my to-do list, clean garage, I never get to it because I don't even know what to do first. Mm. And my wife and I were talking and actually my next physical action might be going to Amazon and ordering an electronic stud finder so I can put hooks in the walls. And if I do that, that may get the whole thing going. So what I what I want to recommend is, is the book and the approach, but uh, to go back and, and just look at all your projects um, and say, uh, do I have tasks that are actually projects? And then start to look at how many projects you have and then to start to break them down. And I, I think it's really beneficial to do this because you probably are likely to find that the things that are giving you the most difficulty and stay on your to-do list the longest are actually projects. And once you break them down, uh, you can make progress uh, on them in unexpectedly easy ways.
1: All right. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. You can find all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts on the Legal Talk Network website. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can probably get us best on LinkedIn. We are in increasingly less on Twitter, uh, X, whatever it is, but we always like to get a voicemail from you. Please, uh, we, we want to cover something in our B segment, so we love your questions. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm
0: Tom Myle. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an Internet focus. As always, a big thank you to the Legal Talk Network team for producing and distributing this podcast. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon.